Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrick, and today we're at the Apple Podcast Studio at WWDC 2017, and I'm joined by three iOS developers. Yuriv Nassim. Yuriv is an iOS developer at ZipRecruiter. Welcome, Yuriv. Hey, happy to be here. Yeah. And uh, Leah Culver. Leah is an iOS developer at Breaker. Hey, Garrick. Great to be here as well. Yeah, thank you for joining. And lastly, uh, Megan Kane. Uh, Megan is an iOS developer at SoundCloud. Welcome, Megan. Thanks, Garrick. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, my pleasure. And welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for being here right now. Oh, man. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do. Actually, Yuriv was the first person to tell me that this was even going to be an opportunity. He messaged me, and I immediately felt, like, really nervous. Like, what am I going to do? I kind of felt like I should probably have Yuriv be involved because he told me about it. But I wanted to make sure I did something that provided value for the listener, and I wasn't sure what that was. And eventually I, I realized, you know, I just want to have some cool people here to talk about like what we're doing. Um, and, and I just got Megan like last minute. I was mm -hmm. sitting with Chris Stote from uh, Buddy Build and I was like, I need to find another female iOS developer. I want the panel to be kind of like equal. And he's like, Megan's around and I actually follow you on Twitter. Uh, and, I, and I was like, man, she worked at SoundCloud. That's so cool. So yeah, thank you guys so much uh, for being here. And uh, let's describe like where we're at right now. Why don't you start, Megan? Like, where are we right now? Sure. So right now we're sitting in the podcast studio at WWDC. It's the first WWDC that's in San Jose. So I wasn't really sure how this was going to pan out because a lot of changes. And uh, we're in the fourth day of WWDC now. There have been so many updates that I, I wasn't expecting. Uh, for example, all of the machine learning updates I'm super excited about. I just gave a talk about them at AltConf. And so I'm having a great time, it, it, a lots, lots of pleasant surprises. And I'm really excited to see what's coming up this year with uh, everything that they released. Yeah, totally. Shout out to AllConf. And um, how about uh, Leah? Can you also just describe kind of where we're at? Like, what do you see? Oh, yeah, this is crazy. So the Apple Podcast Studio for WWDC this year is kind of in this weird bird's nest room above a larger room filled with people. So there's like, I think it's a lounge, student lounge. So there are people sitting and working on their laptops below us. And we're up above in like this glass room and actually I saw it yesterday because I came in to check out the the store which is also below us in the lounge area and I looked up and there's this glass room and I'm like what is that and uh, the Apple podcast app logo is in the window and it glows so when you're looking at it from down below you can see the people recording the podcast and you can see like the icon for the Apple podcast app and it's just crazy and then I went on this hunt to find how to get up there because i was like how do you get up into this weird nested room and i couldn't find it so we got brought up here to have this like secret staircase it's like this very anonymous looking door in the wall next to the elevators like on the other side it's it's crazy so yeah i have to say i feel pretty special right now i'm, I'm kind of channeling my inner zane low actually to be honest if you ever listen to beats one radio and uh, yeah it really is cool and you're right there is this uh apple podcast uh icon app right behind me it's super cool what about you yuri like tell me what you're experiencing right now well i'm i'm pretty excited to be up here seeing everything from the top getting like a bird's eye view of what's happening in dub dub it's pretty exciting to see you can like literally see what shirts they have left in the store right before they close it down and how people are just hanging out on their laptops downloading the latest xcode it's pretty exciting it feels like you know you get to 
to know what's happening behind the scenes right now? Yeah, totally. So a little bit more, like uh, we have all these cool microphones. I got these amazing Beats One uh, like headphones on and there's a couple iMacs behind me. And yeah, so that's sort of the scene. I just want to let you guys know that because if you're a, a listener of the podcast, you know I'm always recording, usually in the mornings. I haven't even left the house yet and uh, I'm in my room. And the other person is um, wherever they live, whether it's Los Angeles or Berlin. Um, but here we're together. This is actually the first time I'm recording with um, the guests. Actually, th there's a couple firsts, right? Um, and so with the guests here with me and uh, multiple guests, I've never done a podcast with uh, multiple guests. So this is what we want to do today. We just want to talk about like how we feel in general about Dub Dub. This is my first time. Um, so what did we enjoy? W what did we like, et cetera? Um, maybe we can talk about you know, specific um, you know, APIs and things that were released, and then we might have some time to talk about some themes that we, um, we saw or felt over the course of the week. So um, starting with you, Megan, um, tell us just in general about your feeling um, through DubDub. Um, I know we were all at DubDub and we were at AltConf, et cetera. So like, tell me, how do you feel? It's Thursday, so it's almost over. Like, how do you feel? Yeah, so I think WWDC is one of these experiences where each day feels like an entire week because you get here and you don't really know what to expect. You know that it's going to be something good. You've been looking forward to it the whole year. You see a lot of your fellow iOS developers that you know from the community, meet new ones, and then they come in with the keynote and the platform State of the Union, and then your whole week sort of is tailored around that. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling like I, I've been here for a couple months now. I think I've met 50 new friends. <laughs> I can't wait to see what I'm gonna work on with some people over the course of the year. Uh, I, what else have I done? Oh, we saw Michelle Obama speak. That was a crazy, uh, very, very much of a surprise. Yeah. I, I couldn't even have imagined them bringing someone like that. Uh, it, w it was so excellent and then, uh, Going to some of the sessions this year, a lot of my friends have actually joined Apple, and so some of them were giving some of the tech talks. So it kind of felt like I was a bit closer to the core of, of what I am working with on a daily basis. It didn't really seem like it was so distant since I have some friends who were delivering some of the talks and working in the lab. So I felt a bit more connected this yeah. time. And they open source quite a bit, so I think that was also a really nice change. I think Apple keeps moving in a much more positive direction for the community, and that it's really it's a really nice vibe. Oh yeah, I'm getting chills just as you're <laughs> saying that right now. I totally agree, and I think that's one of the, you know, that's one of the themes I want to explore later, and I think that's one of the reasons I love Apple and this this developer community as well. Um, how about you, Leah? What are you feeling right now in terms of your dub dub and alt comp experience so far? Oh wow, it's it's just been amazing, um, as as they did last year and, and every year before. So this is my second WWDC, um, and I think last year just seeing the keynote live was just amazing. I mean, you see it on uh, on online and it's impressive, but it's even more impressive to be there, and it just gives you chills sometimes. You're like, ooh, exciting new things. Um, I'm really excited about um, some good small updates to Swift that are exciting. I'm excited about changes to Xcode and especially like GitHub integration with Xcode. 
um, lots of things. The new HomePod is really exciting for us as like a, we make a podcast app. So <laughs> like more focus on sound and audio. Um, Apple's really been getting into that space. Um, so that's really exciting. Yeah. And we're even here right now. Like I'm getting all these ideas and, and I can't imagine for you with the podcast app and you know, you Megan with SoundCloud, like all these ideas and here we're in this podcast, like studio, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super cool. How about you, Yuri? Uh, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Well, this is my second time. You At can't Dub-Dub? beat the first time. Yeah, the last year was amazing, and this year is definitely just as great. A lot of little things that make the difference to me, not the big changes, but the little touches to Swift, the new changes to UIKit and animation that I just uh, I just watched. A lot of li- little changes that over time, as a developer, you feel it like the upgrades to Xcode and uh, GitHub integration. All those things change your day-to-day work as a developer it's not just the one api it's the whole experience that makes a big difference and i think that's what we're going to feel throughout the year when we're working with it yeah i mean i think that's one of the biggest um things i love about being an apple developer is that same kind of integration you know people talk about hardware software services but we have that too as developers right because we're using xcode we're using swift we're using all the native apis I like that. Yeah, totally. Uh, how about for some? Have you guys all been to WWDC before? This is my first time. Yeah, this is my second WWDC. Last year was my first, and it was in San Francisco back then, and that that changed everything for me as a developer. It was the first time I felt really connected to the community because I saw all the people from different communities around the world come together for a whole week. Um, so the, the second time around, it's still really special, but but it's quite different because I kind of knew roughly the expectations, uh, but I'm still blown away. How about you, uh, Leah? Do you have any like comparisons last year, this year? What are you feeling? Yeah, I actually really like that it's in San Jose, which surprised me because I live in San Francisco and it was so convenient last year. And this year we got an Airbnb down here in San Jose. Our whole team is staying together. And it, it feels I think it feels more like a community here because there's less of the distraction of the, the big city. And a lot of the events are closer together. So last year when they were in San Francisco, everyone was going out to like their favorite bar or venue to have their event so you'd have to you know take a cab or take public transit to get there and here you just walk everywhere which is which has been really fun i heard that from a lot of people actually i keep hearing that that they really enjoy um, san jose over san francisco in terms of uh, a venue host or city host for dub dub there's benefits for san francisco but it seems like some of these you know uh, walkability, uh, for instance. The yeah. Wa- yeah, right? I, I agree completely. Everything is so close. At first, I was very disappointed to hear we're not going to be in San Francisco because last year was so great. I got to like go to all those companies that host events, Yelp and Lyft and Uber, and just be there where the magic happens. And I thought San Jose is going to disappoint us because we're not going to get to go and meet those people again. But they all came here, and all the events were like a minute walk away, which is even better because you you can just go straight after you don't have to like worry about getting a cab or uber or you're like there all the time which is amazing because you could just you know not worry about time when apple announced that dub dub was going to be at san jose there was actually a lot of like um kind of down talk on san jose actually made me feel kind of bad and there was like an article saying san jose is like not a good city last night lucy and i were walking around uh, we ate at this really cool place called Fountainhead. Uh, well, that's a bar, and then there's like these restaurants inside. And then we left, we walked, and there was like a stand-up comedian. We were outside listening to the guy. Then we walked a little bit more, and there was an amazing jazz band. There's, um, you know, all these parks. There's all these museums. So, yeah, like we, we were thinking like, no, man, San Jose is cool. You know, actually, we looked across the street, and there was this ad, and it said, 
hashtag tell our story Dan, uh, downtown San Jose and we had like a little moment there like oh like feeling like that sucks you know people will talk down on uh, I, I never try to get into that um, you know talking down everyone's always talking down on Apple and, and now cities it's like a- anyways so the way I feel I just want to put it out there this is my first dub dub super overwhelmed like um, I feed off of people and there's 5300 um, developers here and by the second or th- and by the second or third day I had to go home and sleep early I went to my hotel I had to sleep early slept in like because I feed off of people's energy and you know I have my uh, Swift coders meet and greet and a bunch of people came and were telling me about the podcast anyways so uh, but just to be here now with you guys <laughs> I feel so good okay so let's get into some specifics um, I know, Megan, you wanted to talk about Core ML, right? And this was something that Apple just released. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So there were some really big updates to the machine learning capabilities that you have as an iOS developer in WWDC's 2017 announcements. The main one being uh, this framework called Core ML. And Core ML basically allows you, it's a framework that you can use in order to use pre-trained models that either Apple provides you uh, or you can get from open source. And then Apple uh, allows you to import that model into your Xcode project. And then you can use that machine learning model that, for example, can recognize thousands of images, so can do image recognition. And you can use that model in your app in order to improve your feature set of your app. So uh, for example, you can do something like the hot dog app if you wanted to. (laughs) Just a very simple example. But the... uh, the possibilities of it are really boundless. I mean, you can do image classification. You can do, uh, they have also NLP libraries that you can do natural language processing libraries. So you can do, you can extract meaning from basically any text. You can recognize the language of it. You can break it down and analyze the text in other ways. Uh, you can also use these vision frameworks. And um, all of these rely upon metal uh, APIs and this other API called Accelerate. So you can choose to use the lower level ones or you can use the very nicely made unified API in Core ML. Okay, and so is this something that just didn't exist on iOS before or was it something that just didn't exist natively or why is this announcement um, important? I mean, I understand that we can do this now, but why couldn't we do it before? Sure, so I've been following this space for quite a bit. I actually was giving talks about this before iOS 11. So previously, you could still um, use machine learning in your iOS app, uh, but what you had to use was either the underlying metal framework or the underlying accelerate framework. You still could um, get a pre-trained model from somewhere on the internet or make your own, and then you can run inference on the device, which means you're basically running data through the model in order to produce an output, which is a prediction. So you can take an image and see, classify it as a hot dog or not. (laughs) Um, So you had to use those two underlying frameworks. While there was some support for this, and there was a WWDC video in 2006 about this, or sorry, 2016 about this, it was pretty difficult to actually get the model into a usable format in Swift because these models come in a format that's uh, native to the training framework. So if you use TensorFlow, they have a specific format. If you use CAFE, this is a CAFE model format. You had to be able to convert that format yourself. There was no tooling Mm. provided by Apple. So that required quite a bit of uh, heavy lifting and scripting. there's very little um, out there as far as blog posts about it. Just a couple people were covering it. Right, and I was watching this morning on the pre-recorded or the recorded session that they open sourced the converter tool, right? Yes, they did, which is huge. Why is that huge? Because, um, so there are the a growing number of training platforms to train a model, such as Keras, 
which relies on TensorFlow and CAFE format and um, like many others. And a lot of these are open source and they're used across the machine learning community at large. Okay. And so converting between formats like the open source tool that Apple provided, which uh, converts, for example, a CAFE model to Swift. Um, since you're able to do this with this open source tool now, that open source tool can be extended to convert between even more formats in the future. And just I know machine learning experts from across many domains, from ones at SoundCloud to even I actually work with uh, CERN physicists sometimes. Uh, I'm working on a paper with them. Wow. And they also experience some of the same pain points uh, as far as converting between formats. So this is something that Apple is actually leading the way in right now. Wow, I felt like- It's in the Python community. I really love Swift, and but I, for a while there, I was thinking like, oh, all I can really do, let's say, is like make an iOS app, or I'm just an iOS developer. But you know, I can do a lot of stuff with Swift. Scripting, I can do server-side Swift, all of Apple's platforms. But it sounds like now I can do like machine learning, which is like this thing, right? Everyone yeah. talks about. So is that sort of what this means now? I can like easily, more easily do this kind of stuff. Yeah, you can. So it's once so you cool. get the model into the Swift format using that tool or using uh, a pre-trained model provided by Apple, it's in Swift then already. And you just instantiate the model with one line and then you can uh, put input in and run predictions on the model. Cool. It's just a couple lines of code. Cool. Quick tangent, does anyone know why we call something like core, like core foundation, or core ML versus like app, uh, something like kit, like AR kit? Does anyone know why? I think it's the lower level frameworks. So so like AR kit is slightly higher level than like core ML, even though they're different frameworks. Like, So when something is a kit, it's just more higher level, maybe? That would be my guess. That's what I feel like. It makes sense. Yeah. I know for the machine learning part, there's on top of Core ML, you can use Foundation okay. for the NLP libraries, okay. and then Vision. Okay. So yeah, I don't okay, know. Cool. I think so. Well, thank you so much for explaining that stuff because uh, it's really exciting. It's hard sometimes to understand uh, these, these types of things. So thank you so much for that explanation, no problem. Uh, Megan. How about you, Leah? Uh, I know you were saying that you were really excited about some App Store changes. Oh yeah, so the App Store um, for finding, uh, for users to find your app, which is really exciting. Uh, because the latest update, I think the big thing that everyone is really excited about is the separation of games and apps. So as you know, games are very popular in the App Store. Um, and right now they kind of dominate the top charts, um, both free and paid, full of games, which is great because um, games are great, but it's really hard to get apps discovered and to get them in front of users and explain what they do. Um, so now there's two separate tabs, uh, games and apps. Um, games, they're a more able to uh, advertise games in different categories, help you find what you want, and for apps, highlight apps that are not games, which is great. There's also another new feature that developers are really excited about for the App Store, um, which <laughs> is the ability to keep your ratings <laughs> when you submit a new build of oh, your app. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, Why, so, because what would happen now? So previously, if you would upload a new build, you kind of what was displayed was the ratings for the latest build. So if you had a, so it, it kind of got wiped clean every time you did a new build. So if you had a really good rating, say everyone loved your app, five stars, four stars, really good, um, you would be a little scared or like wary. Like maybe you had a bug fix that you really wanted to get out, but you, you know, you'd be reluctant to do so because you'd lose your star ratings. Um, so now you have the option to say, hey, keep my star rating, I want to continue, or on the, on the flip side, if you release a bad bug or something goes wrong and people hate that version, you can choose to start again. Just Whoa, like, like yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. And so in software development these days, I mean, we wanna sometimes get on like a two week release cycle, 
right? But then you're like wiping your ratings every two weeks or every month or something like that. Yeah, now no, you don't wipe your ratings and it's also easier for users to rate your app. It's just a little, like it's a little slider. You slide the star rating, it's just, it's like two taps as compared to like, you used to have to like open it. It's just so much nicer. It's quicker to rate things, easier to rate things, and you keep all your ratings. Also, it, it, it makes users more safe, right? Because as you said, what if there's some bug that you want to ship, but because you have a five-star rating, you don't want to ship it, but now you can, you can keep your five-star rating, and now users are happier, they're safer, for right. instance. Right, and you can also reply to their reviews. Mm -hmm. So there is like a way to talk to users and say, hey, I saw that you gave us a two-star rating because of this bug. We have fixed this bug in the latest version, and then users can come back and change their rating and say oh thank you so much for fixing this bug and give oh, me a better wow. yeah so, oh, so wow. it creates a much better dialogue with users it's a way really changing the feedback from being just like I like this I don't like this to a dialogue with your customers and users awesome is there anything else that was released um, either in the app store or anything else that you're kind of excited about yeah I'm definitely excited about HomePod oh yeah <laughs> I feel like that was the really exciting one more thing this time um, like we make an audio app and SoundCloud's probably very excited about this too um, so it's really exciting to see Apple not only working with headphones but also now with speakers and so it's an exciting time to be working in audio. Um, Apple uh, has yet to say anything about like what audio apps are gonna be supported on HomePod it sounds like um, Apple Music is built right in uh, which is kind of cool. You don't need a device or anything. It's just it has Apple Music built I in. Asked, Have you heard of anything? I've asked employees, and they will not say anything. Yeah. So yeah, I feel yeah. like it's one of those stay tuned. There'll be more announcements in the future yeah, kind of right, thing. Yeah, right, right. It sounds like you have some, or it looks like you have some thoughts on this, Yurif. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about all of that, but... As a as a user, I'm I'm happy about the the HomePod because yeah. I have a bunch of speakers at home, and there's no way to stream something to all of them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. First of all, now they they let it they let us do it through Control Center. You can stream to multiple speakers at the same time, which is great. But also having multiple speakers talk to each other, and then you just tell them what to play. I do it with the Apple TV remote, which is okay experience, you know. But this is great. I'm 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 waiting to to get one, you know, just play with it already and then see the latest release of what other apps we can throw in there and, you know. So a lot of things I'm excited about are not just as a developer, but just as a user. Right, you know? right, right. Like iOS 11 looks great. There's a lot of things that I've been waiting to have, like a the new control center. I don't know if you play with it a little bit. I put it uh, on, a, on an iPhone and play with it and things are so good. The animations are very smooth and crisp. New notification center is very clean. And control center is now customizable. You can add buttons to it so that you don't have to go and look for things <laughs> when you just want to do something very quickly. It is really exciting for me as a user. And as a developer, we get a lot of new small APIs like uh, UIKit animations. Uh, this is going to be very silly, but they got a lot of applauses by saying, now rounded rounded edges, rounded corners are now animatable. Oh wow! <laughs> I know. And they they showed an example of how to build um, a modal view that just pops from the bottom and is uh, interactive. That's exactly the meetup we did two months ago, if you remember. Yeah, right. I was showing how to build it, and there was a lot of code involved. It was very complex. It took me about two and a half hours to to show how to do it, and they did it in like ten minutes on screen today. They basically narrowed it down to like very basic uh, code, which is great for me because I get to rebuild it from scratch and I have all the Apple demos to use. 
and it's great for everybody else because we can now create those amazing animations very easily and make our apps look really nice and, and crisp without working too hard for it. Yeah, so Yuri uh, was referring to um, a, a Swift Coders LA session that he led on custom transitions. It's on our GitHub or your GitHub. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, what about Swift, Xcode, or just developer tools in general, you know, the whole new build system? Is there anything that stands out uh, to you, Megan? Yeah, so I think that the uh, Swift team as well as the Xcode team did an excellent job. I, I was totally blown away. I think a couple things that stand out to me that are uh, really helpful are at least working on a large team at SoundCloud, uh, our build times can be really large and we've done a lot of work internally in order to bring them down. The fact that the build times are automatically uh, optimized a lot better now uh, is going to help us immensely. And then also uh, with Swift 4, having the option to have the Swift 3.2 mode versus Swift 4 mode is super helpful for uh, um, when you're converting uh, from Swift 3 to Swift 4, because you can do it incrementally in stages. Because if you use the Swift 3.2 model, then uh, it's not going to like break any uh, like backwards compatibility. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I was I was confused as to like why anyone would want to do that. I see. So you can migrate um, incrementally, not migrate your whole project. So, so like you can like use the new uh, you can use the new APIs that are in Swift 4, or like the new functionality of Swift 4, but then. Uh, still allow your existing code to work with Swift 3. Ah, and I can yeah. imagine a, you know, a big code base like SoundCloud, for instance, you might want to do something like that, like do it incrementally. Of course, yeah, because if you try to do it <laughs> right away, then uh, basically it's all hands on deck in order to fix any um, right. issues with uh, converting from Swift 3 to Swift 4. I heard on Twitter a few people saying, though, that they converted their projects to Swift 4 and it was not a big deal, like um, Nick Lockwood with Swift Format. Um, and another gentleman whose name I don't remember, Thomas something. Um, but anyways, I heard a couple of people say something like that. It sounds like, Leah, you heard some people say that as well? Yeah, I've heard it's been really easy. I haven't taken a look personally myself, but it looks like the changes are more additive and less about breaking existing ways of doing things. Yeah. yeah. Yuri, it sounds like you have something on that too. Well, 3.2 ran pretty well for me, but when I tried to convert it to 4, things started breaking. Yeah. Something with the converter just added some weird spacing and things just didn't work, but it's a beta version. I'm pretty sure that, you know, by the time it's public, things are just gonna be very smooth. Well, it's cool that they still gave us that option though, right? I think so too, yeah. It's, yeah. it's Swift 3 compatibility mode or something like that. Yeah, I think another well, a thing that really stood out was the refactoring tool. Oh yeah. So I've been <laughs> using AppCode for a couple of years just when I'm doing major refactorings and app code sometimes can be really slow. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good tool, but it's uh, it's not from the source. It's right. not Apple made. So yeah. it, it always has some issues. And so the fact that Xcode has this built in now is, is amazing. Yeah, one thing I'm sad, uh, and I was told to file a radar as soon as possible, is code folding structure, where you can uh, fold the curly braces so you can easily traverse a file. Or, you know, did you guys ever use that? Anyways, mm -hmm. they took it away. Hopefully they'll add it. I have to file a radar. I, I did ask them for what? you, and they were like, we just didn't implement it. They, oh they just told me they didn't gosh. they didn't see it was necessary. I wonder if uh. they have data on that. I wonder how many people actually use that feature. Maybe they just say, hey, not enough people <laughs> use it. This one <laughs> Apple engineer, I forget his name, super cool, um, red-haired, um, English. I think he's English, super nice guy. He said just as many people file a radar, because he likes that feature too. <laughs> <laughs> so he said as many people can file a radar um, would be good. Uh, Leah, is there anything that stands out for you in terms of Swift, Swift, Xcode, build tools? 
Sure, sure. Well, like I said, I love the GitHub integration. That was really not expected, kind of a wild out there thing. It's like, so currently I, so I love visual tools for coding, which is not everyone's thing. A lot of people like working in the command line. I do not. I'm with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like okay. using tools because when I'm committing code, I like to have a very nice visual diff. And I want to see what's changed. And so Xcode now has that, but also has features like you can manage your branches from within Xcode, which is great because I'm always, so I'm working on a team where I want to test out someone else's branch and see how it looks visually. And it's just really easy to switch and to manage everything within Xcode. And then there's also this, they added this button to GitHub itself. You click a, so like say you're looking at a new repository that you don't have yet in GitHub, you can just click this button that's like, open in Xcode and it like clones it, opens it in Xcode. Oh, like on GitHub.com, like, Yeah, right? on GitHub.com, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. They used to have the GitHub, the GitHub app do that. I guess they just dropped it and like let Xcode take over instead. Yeah. And, and they said that two thirds of all pull requests or commits or pushes, I can't remember, on GitHub.com or to GitHub.com are by Max or from Max. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. I think they mentioned that in the platform State of the Union. That's really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Anything in particular for you, Yuriv, um, in terms of developer tools? Well, the new Xcode is great. I love it. I play with it, and things are so beautiful. So. I think you can let go of your code folding. I don't know if <laughs> maybe you shouldn't, but if you if you just highlight a function or method and then hit the command key, it will show. Uh, it will highlight all the code for you, so you can have it, you know, in a different format, and you can now refactor very easily without right clicking, refactoring. Things just are built in. Everything is very. Uh, user very developer oriented. It's yeah. for us to to use and not for somebody else who build the tool to think that's what we need. It feels like they actually asked us what we wanted and build it for us. Nice, yeah, we feel good. Thank you, you know, for giving us these cool tools. The the source editor, they rewrote it in Swift. It is, it just feels nice, it looks cool and really excited to just uh, play with it. I don't know when I'll be able to. Um, so uh, what else? Uh, let's talk about Swift specifically. Um, there were only a few things um, Swift for evolution in terms of like user facing. Maybe it was a lot of under the hood stuff. Uh, is there anything that stands out uh, for you guys? And have you had a chance to play with anything? How about you, Megan? Uh, so the thing that well, I actually use a lot of emojis. <laughs> <laughs> um, one time I was quoted as uh, that I had a I don't know like a stellar grasp of emoji use in, oh. in, a, in a write up of uh, my talk from App Builders in Switzerland, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, cool. So so in uh, Swift four, so there are some emojis that um, like aren't the length of them bef- before Swift four wasn't. Uh, like proper pro- process properly, it didn't have like the. I'm not exer- sure exactly how you say this, but I think it it didn't wasn't compatible or compliant completely with the Unicode standards. Right. And so with Swift four, this is fixed. And so if you're doing like some string manipulation that involves lengths of strings and you have lots of emojis, uh, now um, everything will look nice. So it's yeah, important for me. It was like <laughs> Unicode correctness, but still ease of use to work with strings. I think yeah. was sort of the way to put it. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. Cool. They dropped the character property, and now the string itself is an array or a collection of characters instead. Yeah, but it still has that Unicode uh, correctness. Leah, you have something? Yeah, yeah. They're both going back to the old school way of treating strings as a collection of characters, but also moving forward. Um, I think it was part of the what they called the string manifesto. Right. Um, which was part of the goal was to have this inclusivity and internationalization, which is where I think a lot of the Unicode or the Unicode fixes came from. Oh. And what you're thinking about with the dual character emoji characters is like emojis themselves are are um, like I think two or four 
bit and then uh, there's a modifier on that as well. So you're thinking about the modifier, we're like, it's like skin color modifier, like the gender modifier. So a lot of this is really about like inclusivity. Um, and those are all kind of new, right? Like those those mm -hmm. modifiers are pretty new. So yeah. it's exciting to see Swift support it right away. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, anything in particular for you, uh, Yuri? Well, nothing specific about Swift 4, but I was I was really happy to come back and meet the Swift the Swift developers. I got to talk to them, see some new faces in there. There's uh, Airspeed Velocity. I know he might not be happy me talking about him right now. He used to be anonymous, and then Apple got him, and now he's one of the Swift developers. So I got to talk to him, and I saw his face for the first time, which was very exciting for me. I don't know if uh, other people are that excited to meet him and. Uh, Chris Lanner is not here, but uh, you know we met Ted and uh, a lot of other developers there, and it's so fun to just talk to the same people that create what you're working on. Anything, uh, anything else that I can think of is I actually talked to somebody last year about Jason Parsing, um, Tony Parker, and we spent like 45 minutes trying to come up with ideas how I would want as a developer to to have Jason Parsing work for me. And this year they implemented it in a very similar way that I wanted it to be, which is amazing. And I, I got to talk to him today and say, thank you for doing it. This is great. And he's like, yeah, I love seeing, you know, the people who use it come to me and then talk about it. And it was just so fun to to see how things evolve from one year to another and actually meet the people who made it happen. Yeah. So Yuriv was talking about Ted Kermenek, I believe the Swift team lead, maybe is his title? Yeah, he, he's a... She's replacing, uh, I think, uh, Chris Latner. Right, yeah, shout out to Chris Latner. Yeah, we, so we um, saw Ted Kermenek. That was really cool. And I believe Alan something. I can't remember. Was it Dennis something. I think. He, uh, anyways, that was really cool. To, and he said, they both said, like, yeah, I know your podcast. It was really awesome. So I totally agree with you, like, seeing the Swift developers. Um, was there anything in particular that stood out for you, Leah, uh, about Swift or... Yeah, yeah. So in addition to the JSON encode, encode, and the coding protocol, which is really exciting, we, we use it a lot for Breaker. We do a lot of JSON encoding and decoding because we end up, you know, saving it to, to cache files and things like that. Like our API requests, we save to cache files. And then we have to like encode, decode. And you don't want to know what kind of a mess it gets into. We're like writing our own ways of doing encoding and decoding. So it's very exciting. Um, as a Python developer, if anyone else that's listening is into Python, a couple additions that looked straight up copied from Python, the range mm -hmm. uh, ranges changed to Python style ranges for our, so, so that's really exciting. <laughs> like yay, Python ranges um, and multi-line strings. Um, which I'm super excited about as a UI developer because I'm so tired of slash n. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm very happy to be able to write strings in my code that kind of look like how they'll appear in my UI and not have to worry about like, it, what does this look like in my UI versus like, what does it look like in my code? And like, it's gross. So yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, these types of things are, uh, like they seem small, but there's they you use them over and over and over again, and it's really helpful. Yeah, so Lee is talking about multi-line string literals, where now, um, before Swift 4, you'd have to put like a slash in to, to um, say, I want a new line, put this on a new line. Now with uh, the multi-line string literals, you open a string, or one of these types of strings with uh, three quotes, I think it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, Python style. And, <laughs> and then it is that where it came from? Yeah. yeah. And then I think it respects the spacing and the new lines within that, um, you know, multi uh, the, the triple quotes. And then you have to end it, you have to end the triple quote, like on so a separate So the end of the triple quote defines the inset of oh. how much space to add at the beginning of, the okay. of each line. Okay. So if you put a tab at the end 
of the of the closing at the beginning of the closing quotes. Okay. Then you have to align all your lines with that tab, so no extra tabs are added to your. Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, kind of hard cool. to explain it's without seeing it. It's kind of what you it. see is what you get. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Well, nice. I can't wait to try that out. What I have tried is the uh, codable. I was actually playing with that this morning. And uh, super easy to sort of implement the first part, right? You just, um, you know, say it conforms to Codable. But the part I was interested in is how do I now write this to the disk? And I, after some, you know, um, you know, kind of messing around and then I watched uh, one of the videos, the session videos, I figured it out. And, um, you know, it gives you data and you can just write that data to the disk. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, I, I really, really like that one. Uh, okay, so you, uh, Leah, you actually mentioned like, inclusivity as it relates to uh, what Megan brought up about the um, Unicode correctness or like that new feature of Swift. And um, you know, it's really cool that you brought that up um, as I actually didn't think about that. Uh, one of the themes I wanted to talk about, which I feel um, Apple talks about in general, but I also felt it here at DubDub, is uh, the theme of inclusivity, accessibility and uh, inclusivity. Uh, you know, you had Michelle Obama talking a lot about uh, gender equality and uh, equality in general in terms of like diversity. Um, and now you're mentioning, you know, Leah, you mentioned this um, like inclusivity as a feature with this Swift, you know, feature or whatever. That's really cool. So one thing uh, I wanted to make sure we had some, some time to spend to talk about is the theme of inclusivity at DubDub, if you felt it, how you felt it, and what it means to you as it relates to being a Swift and iOS developer. Um, so go ahead, Megan. Yeah, sure. So I think this topic is really important to me, and I think it's really uh, nice that Apple also uh, puts this as a high priority. So with Michelle Obama speaking, that was obviously a huge um, sign that, that it's very important to them. And then I really liked how uh, there were so many uh, females who were speakers uh, in some of the technical sessions, especially doing live coding. And I, I mean, I know for a fact there I know so many female engineers, but sometimes it's difficult for other people to see that. And it's really nice to be reminded that you have role models that are female who are leading the way and who are at, like top notch programmers. So I think that was great to see. And then, yeah, down even to the Unicode uh, standards, you can see that. Yeah, inclusivity and diversity is important through and through, even in the strings that you see to the role models that you see. Um, yeah, yeah, it's everywhere. It's I'm, I'm getting chills again, Megan. That's <laughs> twice you gave me chills. Sorry. How about you, Leah? Yeah, it's the same. I think it's just seeing the folks that showed up from Apple, so in the labs, in the talks, just seeing a good diversity of folks um, of all different backgrounds as well. <laughs> the speakers are definitely, I think, some a lot more animated and excited than in past years, too, which has been fun to watch. Totally. Um, yeah, definitely. Just it, just the vibe here feels very open and, and accepting and welcoming. Yurip, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, they did um, Apps of the World meetup here at Apple, like right down here yesterday. I don't know if anybody um, no. heard about it. So I actually did not get invited Aww. because my my company is registered in the U.S. Ah. And they, they emailed all the foreign companies, all the foreign attendees to go and meet and all my Israeli friends were like you gotta come we're hanging out here <laughs> and it was really fun uh, they put signs of countries oh. and you could go to like uh, this is China and this is Russia and the Middle East and people just went you could see how many developers from every country in the world are coming to this conference this is, it was very exciting to see you know the groups different groups of people who are here right now and it shows you how many people different people colors 
uh, genders are right here, you know, building apps. It's not just the, the, the people we see at work. It's just people all over the world who, you know, who work just as hard and, and travel, you know, sometimes 15 hours flights just <laughs> to be here. Yeah, I was just talking to Renat. He's a friend of Radek Pietruszewski, who you might remember. Mm -hmm. I interviewed him twice. And he said his flight was like 20 hours or something. Andy Hope told me, like, um, I'm hiring, like, somebody to stand in line for me because, like, I'm flying all the way from Australia and I want to, like, make sure I get in. So, yeah, I actually didn't think about that. Like, um, to, to be able to give something extra to these people who are coming from far away. Um, even, like, the pin. The pins. You know, like, yeah. I got, um, I'm a, you know, I live in um LA. I was born in California, but my family's from Armenia, uh, my, my directly from Iran, but like we're Armenian. So um, I came in, I got my pin, and it was like an American flag. And I asked the guy, I was like, hey, do you have like an Armenia pin? And he's like, you know what, we don't have it here, but it's down in gift services, let me take you. And we went and got it, and I got an Armenia pin. And this it's is like, great. This is nice. nice. Yeah. I, I got an Israel and a United States one. Yeah. So cool. Okay, so um, before we get a little more specific um, on this topic, I just wanted to, like, what does the um, inclusivity with the Unicode thing actually mean? You know, I think I get it, but what, like, what does that mean, if you can kind of explain that for us? Like, how does that register for inclusivity, the string Unicode thing? Um, <clears throat> so my perspective on it is that, so I don't know if you're talking about it, technical details. Yeah, like, like kind of technically, like, why is, like, I wonder, you, you brought it up, Leah, so maybe, like, what were you thinking when you said that? Like, why is that? sort of an inclusive type of a thing. Yeah, because these modifiers are often used to represent skin color or gender. Yeah, okay, I didn't know if that's <laughs> what you were getting at, but yeah, that's, yeah, I didn't know if you were talking about like literally like the representation machine code or something or how, what it looks like in your app. But I think, yeah, having the uh, having the skin color that represents yourself um, and or, or whatever whatever you identify as uh, in the in the emojis is is really important because that's what you're using to talk to people and communicate on a daily basis. So if they only have an option that doesn't look like you, um, that doesn't seem inclusive. So I think it's great that yeah, they're, they're, they're moving in that direction and allowing developer support for these things. So throughout this week, um, a few people at least uh, came up to me and they said either they recognize my face or they recognize my voice and they just wanted to say like I love your podcast it's inspiring me etc and all I could really uh, tell them besides thank you is like I am just a reflection of this community the developer community in general is super amazing really nice really inclusive really accessible um, and then the Swift and iOS um, community is just the same, if not more. I mean, I, I, I see it. So it's like, to me, it's the most um, accessible, most inclusive, most, you know, nice. Um, so do you guys understand what I mean by that? And uh, can you explain, like, if you relate to that, like what that means to you? Leah? Oh, yes. Uh, as the iOS community has been super inclusive. So it's interesting because... Um, a lot of my friends are going to these like women's breakfasts here. They have a WWDC women's mm. breakfast where they have a speaker come in. I actually haven't been to one yet. <laughs> they ran out of food early. <laughs> and tried to go. Oh yeah, I heard they're packed, <laughs> yeah. just full of uh, just full of women like that are attendees here at WWDC. But what was crazy is I was talking to people and they're like, yeah, you could go, but you could also not go because you're already hanging out with like I went to dinner the other night with all women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just by coincidence, we we're like at, we're like oh wow this is all female developers it wasn't intentional <laughs> um, but it's just it seems like the crowd here is just 
it's also like all age ranges, all countries, um, just just really different. Th- there are there's a ten year old kid here and a thirteen yeah. year old. I talked <laughs> to both of them. And an eighty something year old and too. And an eighty, yeah. yeah. I try to exchange pins with them. They got a lot of pins, by the way. If you need to, <laughs> to trade yeah. a little bit. Okay. I like that idea of exchanging pins, kind of like um, soccer players exchanging jerseys. It's pretty cool. This this is the purpose of the pins. I just learned ah. that today. Ah. If you put them oh, on okay. you. Um, they're gonna come and ask you what pins you're missing and they're gonna try to give it to you or you can see what pins other people have and exchange with them. Oh, I've been yeah. walking around grabbing random people asking them what pins they have. Oh, it's wow. it's pretty fun. I'm I'm trying to get all of them and if you go to iMessage they have a sticker pack for the WWC app where oh, you can see all so the cute. pins that they were handing that out. That includes all the pins? So yeah. So you know what like, you're missing? Yeah, oh, okay. uh, that, that's my checklist. I just check it out and see what pins I need to get. Yeah, Le- uh, Leah and I only have, uh, she like has one, one and I have two, <laughs> so we have quite a bit of catching yeah. up to do one more day. <laughs> so for those that, um, you know, are just listening, uh, and we have these pins, I'm sure just find somebody that went to Dub Dub or just look online, you probably will see pictures. We have all these little pins that Apple gave us, it's super cool. Uh, so for me, I just want to kind of like bring it to a little more specific, at least for me, like what it meant was when I was just starting out as an iOS developer, uh, you know, just a few years ago, uh, like two years ago, going from a lawyer to an Uber driver to an, a full-time iOS developer at Farmers, um, it meant the world to me that um, the community was inclusive and accessible, and that Swift was also um, accessible because I had zero programming experience, and so Swift was easy to learn. Um, Apple's documentation was so um, accessible and, um, and, and integrated, right, and it covered the whole spectrum, and the community was so willing to share information. And so that's one of the most important things for me. I needed to learn from other people. Uh, And yeah, so that meant a lot to me. I see you're shaking your head, uh, Megan. Maybe you have something about that. Yeah, and that's a really nice story. I I actually didn't realize that your exact path to iOS development, but that's really nice. And it's really cool that people can get there so fast. And so I, I've been doing iOS development for like quite a bit, but and I learned it back when you had to do manual reference counting. And Objective C was certainly a different age. The resources were not nearly as friendly. But um, my younger brother is—he uh, just graduated from school and he has a little bit of an IT background. But he uh, expressed some interest in learning Swift, and so I, I told him, "Hey, there's so many resources. Like you should check out what Apple has in the playgrounds." And he took a Udacity course, and just within the past six months or so, he he's pretty proficient. And I'm working on the side project with him. So I think that's amazing, because it took me a really long time to learn, and it was qu- quite painful. And uh, the fact that the community is accessible too, and I've helped him a bit, just mentoring, and then he's gone to some meetups and stuff. It, it's really great, it's, it's cool to see. Because yeah. he was a little discouraged at first, but I've seen, I've seen him improve so quickly, and now he's, He's propelled to do more. That's awesome. Congrats so. to your brother. Yurif, what do you think? Well, I think, yeah, I agree with that. I started as well with Objective-C a few years ago. It was so hard to pick it up. Well, y- you needed some background. You needed some computer science background to, to really understand what you're doing. And with Swift, it's so easy. There's so many blogs out there that you can just read and start picking it up. And so many resources. There's There are meetups where you can just go and learn for free, which I did not have it when I started. And today, I wanna I wanna give that to other people. I want more developers. I want more female developers. I want more kids to just to learn it and not be afraid of 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 computers or math just because it seems such a hard thing to learn. Because yes. it's not. Speaking of kids, the new Swift 
um, playground? playground stuff. They just announced the robots and the drone integration. I don't that, even know what this is. Like, I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that you can uh, control or you have access to core Bluetooth maybe through a Swift Playground. I think it's something like that. Something like that. I think you can use, it. was it Lego Mindstorm? Yeah. Uh, which I guess some younger kids or uh, people of all ages are using, but uh, I don't know much about it. But I know that there are a lot of people who are excited, especially some younger people. Some people that I've interviewed said that that's how they learned how to program was with Lego Mindstorms, like you know, how many ever years ago? Yeah, so whatever cool. works. Whatever gets you excited about writing code, do it. Yeah, I'm, I am so jealous of people starting program. <laughs> I've been programming for 11 years now. Oh, wow. <laughs> Professionally, like working in Silicon Valley for 11 years. So like... Those days were gross. <laughs> like it was not fun. And now it's like you can make an iOS app. Like how amazing is that? Right? Like you can make an app that runs on your phone that like like I, I can't know. even That's imagine cool. what it's like to be We, we turn into days. the cool people. Somehow it happened that those who build apps <laughs> are cool. Where fifteen years ago where I started, everybody was like, Oh, you're you do coding? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Took, what does that mean? <laughs> when I took my first programming class and like 12 years ago in high school, we were learning Java. We had to do tests in paper. So I basically had to memorize Java yeah. as if I was the compiler myself. This makes no sense My to me. finals were on paper <laughs> writing Pascal. Yeah, it was strange. Like, it was impossibly inaccessible. I know. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know how I made it here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I told Chris Latner actually this, like, in, you know, in his face, and I try to tell most of the Swift developers that I meet, you know, if I can talk with them, like, because of Swift, I'm a programmer now. Or, or before Swift, I probably couldn't become one because it's the perfect combination of, like, what I love and an accessible and easy to learn language. And then, yeah, the community being so giving and sharing. Like, for instance, uh, one of the Learn Swift LA sessions that I was um, leading, uh, I think it was like Marina Del Rey, Yariv happened to come and he, we didn't know each other. Someone said, I want to learn um, about, you know, how to pass data, like between view controllers and how to pass it back. And Yariv's like, I can teach that. He took over, taught the session. Now he's, uh, you know, been leading sessions and we became friends after that. So because of that, like, willingness to share, um, people people can change their lives. I mean, and so actually, like, on that note, like, anyone listening, if you're in a position where you can share, I know I've said it before about starting meetups, even just go to a meetup and share your knowledge because there are people out there who don't know as much as you who can really um, benefit and, and change their lives. And, you know, that's what we're doing with Learn Swift City. Actually, I woke up this morning and there's a Learn Swift Nova, Northern Virginia. So just, you know, last night or the other day, someone started to learn Swift uh, Nova. So that's pretty cool. We had up to nine meetups now all over the world. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing that information. Um, I like that we uh, we all sort of agree, but also like I, I heard lots of new information, which is I, I love that, you know, um, man, I just feel so good after these uh, these uh these sessions. Oh man, you guys make me feel so good. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. So uh, we are out of time, but before we go, uh, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for coming on. I mean, we talked about like where we are right now in this like amazing room. We got these cool headphones on. We're in the Apple podcast studio, uh, dubbed up 2017. We talked about all the things that were um, you know, excited about, um, you know, core ML, the app store changes, um, all the user facing stuff like HomePod. Uh, we talked about the, you know, the new things in Swift, like a uh, codable, multi-line string literals, the Unicode correctness, 
and we talked about inclusivity and accessibility. Really, really awesome, um, really awesome episode. For those listening, I am going to try as hard as I can if they are willing to have a, a, an individual interview uh, with Megan as well as Leah so you guys can learn about their stories. Um, and yeah, you guys can probably look forward to that uh, sometime uh, you know, after this recording, uh, after this, uh, this episode. And uh, yeah, I guys look forward to just seeing you guys sometime in the future. Uh, I don't know when, maybe Dub Dub next year, uh, probably. And um, yeah, just seeing like where you guys all go and, and end up and, and all the amazing things you create. Uh, for people that are interested in uh, reaching out to you, Megan, where can they contact you if at all? So uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter these days, so you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Megaphone, M-E-G-H-A-F-O-N. Cool. Someone took the standard spelling. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get I it like back one day. <laughs> it's a German uh, spelling, though, and I live in Berlin, so should, it's You should trademark sense. it. I should. <laughs> I have it on GitHub, but not on Twitter. So yeah, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Cool. Leah? I'm Leah Culver on Twitter, and I'd love it if uh, your listeners could check out our new podcast listening app, because obviously you're listening to a podcast right now. Yeah, totally. Uh, Breaker, um, it lets you like and share podcasts with friends, uh, specific episodes. If you like this episode, like it on Breaker. Um, yeah. Cool. Awesome. You read? Uh, yeah, you can definitely find me on Twitter. It's uh, yar one <laughs> VN, you know that old school quarter stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it started. Yeah, and uh, you know, I wanted to say something. You, you just remind me when you asked, when you said we're gonna see you again. I I met people in line last year, and I met the same people again in line with more new people, and we're like best friends now because we know each other from the line to Dub Dub. You know, so this is very exciting. Waiting in line for four hours <laughs> and making friends. <laughs> And you keep accumulating those people every year. You see them once a year, and they're like your best friends for a week. That's that's pretty fun. Yeah, it's like a it's like a reunion. I, I it's you make really fast friends here. It's really nice. Totally, totally. Yeah. So actually, Leah, you reminded me. I wanted to see if anyone had any shout outs. So I'm so glad you you did that. Does anyone have a shout out? Megan, it could be anything or anyone. Yuriv, anybody want to shout uh, out anybody out? I guess I, I shout. I wanted to shout out the Swift and Xcode team again because they just did such a great job and AltConf. Uh, because it's also a really nice event. Awesome, cool. You read? Um, you know, just the same. I can't. I don't want to say one name because then I'll yeah, forget yeah, everybody. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah. need to marginalize the other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Apple so groups, yeah, yeah. Alt comp and layers deserve a shout out because mm -hmm. not everyone can get a ticket to WWC. It's a lottery, but they're providing free and inexpensive alternatives to WWDC. So it really feels they're both right here too, like right next door. Really feels like a good alternative. If you can't make it out to WWDC next year because you didn't get a ticket, come out and join one of the other conferences that's here. You get this pretty much the same experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, was, uh, I always end my episodes with one piece of advice for people learning Swift. But uh, since this is a group um, podcast, uh, you know, episode, and we are, um, you know, at Dub Dub, I wanted to say like one piece of advice for people considering maybe coming to Dub Dub uh, next year. And when we, um, yeah, so you you kind of beat me to it again, ah, actually. No. Yeah, no, that, that's great. So um, Megan, do you have any advice for someone like considering coming next year? Yeah, so I would say uh, you should try to come even if you're you don't get a ticket for WWDC or you can't afford it. You should try to come just to come to all comp, just to meet the people in the community because um, you do make a lot of friends and you'll use those friends. Uh, you'll connect with them over the year and for years in the future. And everybody helps each other out. So it's been so valuable just to know other people in the community experiencing the same technical issues. 
uh, getting to know some Apple engineers. So when I have some bug that I can't actually uh, debug myself that well, these types of things are invaluable. So it, it's it's a, it's one of the most valuable weeks of the year. Awesome. Come out. What was your thing? Can you say it again? I can't remember. What was it? Uh, the advice for uh, the shout out to just come and try one of the other conferences. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yuri, any advice for uh, somebody thinking about coming? Yeah, one thing is go to labs a lot. Go okay. meet the engineers. Go talk to them. Yeah. I I just went through all the labs, asked them which lab that is, and they said this is this lab. And I just started asking questions. Just uh, tell me about the product or or about the framework you're building or about whatever lab it is you'll always find something to ask and somebody to talk to. And cool. the sessions are great. Go to sessions, but don't prefer them over labs because those sessions are recorded. You can watch them later. Go talk to people and also wait in line to the for the keynote. Go as early as you can and hang out with as many people as you can. This is this is the highlight of the week. And go to some parties too. Oh yeah, there's a lot of events happening all around. Uh, well, maybe I'll see you guys at the the beer bash tonight, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, guys, again for coming on the show today and yeah, sharing all your uh, you know information with us. Uh, really, really amazing. Yeah. So just thank you so much. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time, go swiftly, my friends.